There's a wonderful presence of God here right now. Eh? Father, we thank you for this time together. We can gather in under your name, Lord. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who you came to die for our sins, that we might know you, the Father. That intimate knowing, that knowledge of this amazing God is so gracious and abounding in love, merciful. You don't treat us as our sins deserve. What an amazing God we serve, Lord. We're so thankful we come with open hearts before you this morning that you would come and draw us even closer to you in this time. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I was feeling fine until I, that last moment of just the Lord's presence came. I feel so tender, hey? Oh, it's wonderful to be back here at Durbanville. I suppose a lot of you guys don't know who I am. That's good, that's good. <laughs> I don't know who you are either. <laughs> but it's great to see what God is doing here and to hear the reports and see what the Lord's doing amongst Durbanville. So this congregation will always have a precious place in our Ginny and our hearts. Someone said we've spent more than 10 years here and hand over to Kevin and he's leading a team and he's doing such an incredible job in leading you guys and serving you with their, with their gift and loving you the way they should. So this morning I want to speak about Jesus uh, loves the church and, and then to challenge us and do we love the church the same way that he does because if we don't we're never going to become the church that he desires and, and dreams over and created to be and I don't know about you but I'm going to walk in everything that God's called me to be in this life. You know, there's work to be done. There's, um, you know, in John 5, Jesus said, my father is working to this day, and even I'm working. And he's talking about ministry. So spiritual work is probably the most precious work that all of us can do. We're all in this together. We all can offer spiritual work to God, and it's a good work. It's birthed in him. It's energized by him and the Holy Spirit. And, um, but I want to read, yeah, this is something I just felt sort of the notes, so I'm just going to read it out to you. But let's just read this, hear this message with the heart. Of, of 2 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Um, I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness, but you are already doing that. This is 2 Corinthians 11 verse 1. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I may present you as a pure virgin to him. And I feel like at this morning, it's weird, like I feel like I want to promise you with the other elders and all the gifts that we are, I feel like to promise you to Christ a pure, holy virgin that you're called to be, a pure and holy people. We are holy, we're becoming holy, and we're growing in, our, in the holiness and as we've been sanctified in this journey, in this life. And the church is called to represent God. I want to read quite a lot of scripture this morning. We can read, I have to turn around, don't I? But uh, let me rather read from my, I'm going to read from my Bible. And um, actually it's easier if I read it. If you can go to uh, Ephesians 1 verse 1, we're going to read a portion of scripture and look at the way Jesus, that's oh, easy to do that there, so excuse my back. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be the God of, Father, of our Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So what are those blessings that he's blessed us with in Christ? We're going to look at that now. Because um, we are blessing is a powerful word, and to be blessed spiritually is incredible. For He chose us 
in, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So we've been, that's, that's part of the blessing, this incredible grace that God has given us. In him we have redemption. That's, that's a blessing. We're redeemed. We've been called out. We've been adopted. We've become, the, we're, we're sons and daughters of the Father. Um, we have redemption through the, his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect in the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who work, works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In all of that, we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Gospel means good news. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise. That's another blessing that we marked in him. We belong to him. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of, of those who are God's possession. To the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's what he prays for, for the church. And that's something we should pray for as well. Um, so that you may, know, you may know him better. That's a very powerful thing. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We might know him better. Not just know him knowledge-wise, but know him intimately. Is an intimate knowing of God. So it's a deep knowing, intimacy with him. Also, I pray also that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. It's such a glorious hope. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. These are all blessings that he's been given us. That he's given us. Incomparable great power, we believe. We've got the incomparable great power that God's placed within us. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head of everything for the, for the church. That's us, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Jesus is the head of this church. We're under shepherds. We're also called to be shepherds and elders um, but Jesus is the chief shepherd, and this is his church. It was his idea. It wasn't man's idea. You can go on any social website, church sites, and that, mostly American, and you mention leaders, you mention church, and people come out fighting. Right? They're just angry at the church. It's man's church, and man, man this, and man that. And we, well, they lose sight of this is something that's birthed by God. And we're a bunch of people who are on a journey of getting healed. Can you imagine? I mean, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, Satan's asked to sift you. He didn't say, well, Satan, uh, Peter, when that happens, just quote John 4, 7, you know, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. He said, no, you're going to go through it, Peter. 
So when you've, when you've come to turn around and strengthen your brothers. In other words, my friend, you're going to get tested. And by the way, I'm giving you the keys to start the church. The key of kingdom of heaven. This revelation of who Jesus is. On that revelation, I'll build my church. And he gives him the keys. Peter is going to let him down and going to make mistakes. And then even 17 years after Jesus ascended, Peter still has a racist incident. When the, the Hebrew, when Paul calls him out, I think it's in Galatians, he says, um, you know, I had to confront Peter in front of everybody because when the, when the Jews came, he moved away from the, the, the Gentiles. That's most of us, you know, guys who are not Jews. And that's, that's been racist. And he said, how come you change? You're different. You're a hypocrite, Peter. And this is the guy that Jesus gave the keys to to build the church, Peter. And Peter made mistakes. And even, you know, all through his journey, I'm sure God grew him and purified him along the way, along the journey. But the point is that God has entrusted this beautiful part of this part of his bride. We're not yet to build Josh Jen. We're not yet to build Fort Twelve. We're yet to build Kingdom of God. And at the end, I'm going to tell you what the end of this message is going to be. It's going to be an appeal for us as the body of Christ to all present ourselves and to come into position so God can build his church. Because if you look around, so much of the church is broken up and scattered. It's like we're called to be a body. And yet the church is all over the place, especially in the West, where it's very in, people are very independent thinking. It's, it's me and my relationship with God. You know, I'll come, what, what's this church going to do for me? What have you guys got to offer? As opposed to, I've come to serve. And if God, God uh, this is not the place, then go and find a church that, that you can serve and that you can give your heart to, because God calls us to give our hearts to one another. It's an expression of our, of our love for Him. Do you want to know how people love God? To see their dedication this way. And they, they laugh this way. Because that's an expression of a vertical relationship. People say, no, I don't trust man. I don't, you know, I don't, I've been hurt by church. I've been hurt this. I've been hurt that. I believe this. I believe that. Everyone's got their own opinion. And, but 1 John 4, 20 says, if you can't love people you can see, how can you love God who you can't see? So, you're getting a lot of plink, plink noises. Is it me? Hmm? Battery's going flat. Okay. I'm sure you'll look after that. You're going to... You're going to do that. Whoops, there we go. That's his party trick. Thanks, Daniel. Like a Formula One pit stop. <laughs> so the church is precious. Jesus loves this church. He loves it. Every church across the world, across the nations that are born again and love the Lord Jesus, who've, who've come and who acknowledge, and there's only one type of Christian, a born again Christian. There's not different types. The Bible says, Jesus, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. But all across the nation, there are churches that are working hard. There are people getting saved. There's, there's, there's like a revival taking place, I think. And, but it's not spectacular always. Often it's just one person at a time as God moves amongst the people. Because we call to reach the Dimville greater area. That's why we're here. You know, what's the purpose of your life? Well, you're here to serve God with your life and to reach those who are lost. And, and it's going to be through work environments and situations, people you're going to come into contact with. But if we're not all in position, if we're not all here, we're going to be limping along as a weak body, as a weak church, not representing Jesus well. They're going to look at us 
and look, so these guys aren't an even unity. They can't agree. Because the Bible says we're supposed to be of one mind. It doesn't mean we all think the same. But it means that we can think differently, but come in under the values of God and hold to the values of God and agree on them and say, Lord, I'm going to stand, put my flag in the ground and stand for these values. And one by one, we're seeing churches folding on values right now, giving into the world. The world is influencing the church in many cases, more than the church influencing the world. And we're called to influence the world, to shake this world, to turn upside down. We are the hope. We are the light for this world. They need Jesus. They do. The whole world does. They need us to function well as a body of Christ, as a church, in order for the gospel to get out, the good news to get out. People should come in and, and receive and expect to be loved in this place. And that means all hands on deck, every one of us. When, did you, every one of us, when you come to a time like this, this is, a, this is not the main meeting of the church. The church is Monday to Sunday. This is a good meeting. It's time when the church can come together to get equipped, to worship together. But we, if we just make this the church, then we've, we've lost our understanding of what church is about. It's a body. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a people of God. But we need everyone. There's no, train, there's no professionals. There's no laities, guys, you know, the titles. We're just ordinary people. All of us building the kingdom. Ephesians 3, 7. Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is God's emphasizing it over and over again. Through the church, he wants to make himself known. And that's what we've got to... So I would like us all to, before we walk out this building this morning, to say, Lord, am I in position? Am I part of your body? Am I serving you the way you've called me to serve? And weigh your life up against Scripture, not your own ideas and not your own understanding. Because you can read scripture often even through your own lens and water it down to make it what you want it to be. And I think God wants to do healing this morning as well in terms of people's hearts and attitudes towards authority figures. Uh, just pain that you might have experienced in your journey in this life and church or church experience. We're getting a lot of folk coming here because now we've got a building in this area. We've been going since 2005 in Durbanville. Um, but this is our first functional building. Um, and folk are coming to see what it's all about. But I, I really trust that they're coming with a genuine heart to say, Lord, is this the place where you want me to serve? If not, then find a place. I would encourage you. We may not be, but, but way up against Scripture, not your own preferences. Because a lot of people serve God according to preference, not according to truth. How does this fit into my life? And I've had people do that. We, I remember years ago, we had a guy in Durban. I don't know if he's here this morning, but if he is, he'll have to get over it. But um, um, we have an honest relationship. And um, he just, you know, he once, he said, I'm leaving this church. I, this doesn't fit into my lifestyle, you know. Um, it's a lovely church. He'd been here a couple of years. And he said, it doesn't fit into my lifestyle. I said, well, the Lord bless you, you know. And I'm not being sarcastic, really. But go and find where you feel you can serve God. But I really trust that you do it according to God's will, not your will. And about a year later, he came back, and he literally came to the front of the other building, and he was crying, and he said, 
I've been to so many churches around. They, they so walked it down, so diluted in the gospel. You don't know what you've got here. What I do to it, it need to change. And that should be our heart. Is Lord, how can my lifestyle fit into you? But we become people who, how does church fit into my lifestyle? What? Two hours meeting. That's too long. It doesn't fit into my lifestyle. Go to Zambia, Lusaka. They say, Pastor, we want, they call you Pastor there. I want on minimum, minimum one hour of the word. Minimum, please. We, we're so hungry for God's word. And, and they did, they'd been really, really been worshiping for like two, three hours, I think it was. You know, that's just, there's just a hunger. And a, whereas Western style Christianity is very much, how does it fit into my lifestyle? You know, as a, I don't think God's got our hearts the way he really wants. He hasn't gripped our hearts the way they, they should be. Marriages should come into alignment. Things, you know, when, when God's got your heart, there's order. And the church is there to bring order into people's lives. Well, God is there to bring order through the church, the vehicle of the church. When, when people connect with God, suddenly they realize how selfish they've been. It's all about me. What's in this for me? What's in this marriage for me? As opposed to how can I serve? It's a whole, the kingdom of God values are always back to front to this world's values. Always. You know, forgiveness. I mean, for, you're forgiven such a big sin. Yeah, Jesus came to, you know, I had to die first is a strange way to fight, as the song goes. Jesus came to die for our sins. The God who created us comes and dies for our sins. There's no other God like him. All the other gods say, no, you've got to do this in order to get saved, in order to have salvation, to find your way to God. But our God reaches out to us. He's the initiator in everything. He reaches out to us in everything. If you're born again and saved, it's because of God. He revealed himself, and he reached out to you. You just responded. That's why he gives us the picture of husband and wife, Ephesians 5. Why is it always, you know, it's a picture. God said, this is how I want you to understand. He's the husband and we are the wife. He's preparing us. The Bible says, it's that glorious day in Revelation talks about we're going to meet him face to face and the wedding banquet will take place. It's going to be glorious. We've got to fix our eyes on that for the joy set before us. There's incredible things that are going to happen. We don't want to live and get into eternity and find out, oh, oh. I can't believe I held on to that. I made that so important. When Jesus warned us, this life is so short. And as an older person, and the other gray hairs, you can con- confirm this life is so short. It goes so quickly. And before you know it, you, you're about to see him face to face. It's wonderful. In 1 Corinthians, um, can we go 1 Corinthians 12? Sorry, sorry, let's go Ephesians um, 4, 15 and 16 first, please. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him, into him, who is the head, that is, the, is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. As each part does its work. So you're a part. Are you built in? Are you part of? Are you doing your work, what God's called you to do? Or are you just a passenger? There's no passengers in the kingdom. If you read scripture, there's nothing. There's no people are just floating around, going to church and body to body. You lock people locked in to a particular body and said, How can I serve? How can I serve Christ through through with you guys? What do you stand for? What are your values? Um in 1 
Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. It's talking in the context of gifting. Every one of you brings a gift. You all bring your lives. The most important part of you is your character, not your gifting. Greg plays amazingly on keyboards. Yeah, he's a very gifted musician, and his daughters as well. But that's not who we're looking for. That's not who we read. It's great that he can bring a gift, but who is the bigger gift of his life, his character, his marriage, how he loves his wife, his children, which he does really well. That's the gift that we bring in. And then the other gifting, which is temporary for this life, we say, Lord, here it is. How can I serve? Ephesians 4 verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I'd love to echo those words to us this morning. Are we living a life worthy of the calling we've received? We've received a great calling, every one of us. I think one of the most tragic things is a church with so much unwrapped gifting. So many people just sitting, waiting for the end. What I need, what's the least I can give you, Lord, to keep you happy? Go to church on Sunday, tick. I'll be radical. I might go Wednesday nights to a community. Oh, I'm really going on fire for Jesus now. And, um, but there's more. And it's not about doing stuff, okay? We're not, don't, don't get the wrong message here. But where the heart is, is off this action that comes from the heart. You can't be married on your, on your wedding day and you know, make the vows, the covenant, and say, well, I've said it, you know, you've heard, heard it now. Cheers, I'll see you in 40 years' time. You do life together. You work out that marriage. You live it out. There's action, otherwise it's not a marriage. You made a covenant. And the most powerful part of a marriage, by the way, is the covenant. I'm a marriage officer. Kev's a marriage. Anybody else? Um, we can sign and do the legal side in this country. But, you know, those mar- there were no marriage officers 100 years ago, 200 years ago. The most powerful thing in a, we- in, a, in a marriage, when you do a wedding, is a covenant when people say with their mouths, before God, before witnesses. That's it. What God has joined together, let man not separate. No man separate. The legal side we comply with to make the government happy. But that's, you know, guys say, well, I'm going to get divorced. I'm going to go and see a lawyer. No, that's, not, that's not a divorce. That's a legal aspect you've sorted out. But God sees you still in covenant. Until one of you breaks the covenant through adultery. That's the only way you can break it. Need way of thinking, eh? Okay. Live a life worthy of the calling. We're at war, folks. We're at war. The devil would love to keep us just a Mickey Mouse church, just ticking over, doing all the right things, playing nice music, having a nice building. Good, great you've done the sound, guys. Deadening. But ineffective and not really counting in the life. I really feel that God wants to heal, as I said earlier. We still got issues. Must I change over now? There we go. You can switch that mic over there. Um, but I really feel God wants to heal people because, you know, broken people can't serve the Lord. They, they really struggle. They mean well and they get up and they fall and they get up and they fall. It's like having a broken leg. You can't run a race with a broken leg. You need that leg to get healed. And in the spirit realm, I believe, I believe a lot of folk need to get healed in order for us to go forward effectively together. I had a revelation recently. Where, where was it that I mentioned this? Things in Benoni. We're in Benoni. We get around to different church virtually every week, sometimes two. Um, but we were in Benoni about a month ago. And I'll just tell you to Jen about a, yeah, recently. I had a revelation that 
I've been in, you know, I was in my generation, we had to go to an, an army. In this country, it was all part of apartheid and all that type of stuff. Um, I was just in, I did four years in the Air Force uh, and uh, fixing helicopters. I trained as a helicopter mechanic. And, um, and we were, we, we, I was in, called up to a particular battle. You can Google it if you really wanted to, um, in, in, many years ago. And we thought we were the right good guys and, you know, we thought we were on the right side and we the good guys, they the bad guys. Later, we may, we may have been on the wrong side of history. I don't know. I'll leave that for another argument, another discussion. But in that particular battle, it was quite heavy. I mean, you know, planes were flying and I saw things, a lot of stuff, and planes were shot down. And, and, uh, and if you look in the statistics, I think we might have killed 600 enemy. And there were Russians that we killed as well. And suddenly, I was, I was, I was one, two, three. You always feel, you know, you didn't maybe not have pulled the trigger, but I was there in that. I suddenly felt, yeah, I just felt the weight of it. What war is ugly. It's not pretty, by the way. It's not like the movies make out. And maybe some people can re re relate to that. And I realized how much I've been forgiven, you know. I've participated in it. And years ago, when we were working to Namibia, we had a pastor. He was, a, he was, um, on the opposite side to me in that army, in that war. And he was from the Ovambo tribe, which is the biggest tribe in Namibia. And this somehow this topic came up. And he says, yes, I remember your helicopters, Carl's helicopter squadron. I remember them circling us, the one with gunships, 20 millimeter cannon out the door. And he said, we were lying under the bushes. And my friend panicked and put his AK and shot himself. So sort of devastating those gunships, scary things. And he got up, he reached across the table, we put this over. We knew men in Christ. Just realize the power of forgiveness, you know. I really feel that the Lord wants to maybe touch some of us this morning in terms of forgiveness towards those who've hurt you. And the reason why you're not going forward and getting breakthrough and giving your heart to what God wants to do. Because a veil comes over the dead. We have got an enemy. He's a worse enemy than any person with a weapon. And he would, his, his aim is to destroy the church. He can't destroy you, he'll neutralize you. Because you're ineffective. And your life's counting for nothing. You're just going through life. You might have marriage problems, business problems, relationship issues, whatever. You might have been abused when you were a child. I mean, a lot of, as a pastor, we meet a lot of people. We hear a lot of stories. And you see people, how the enemies trapped them in their past in bondage. And I feel God wants to set free tonight to release his church, set my people free. Believe with his freedom, and there's freedom in this place because God is here. And as he sets people free, people can step forward and say, Lord, now you can use me. I've seen so many people want to, they get up and they fall down because they've got a broken leg. Their hearts are willing, but their flesh is weak in the spirit realm. Live a life worthy of the calling. We're called to be a body. We're called to all be walking 100%. Lord, here I am. How can I serve you? I believe God said marriage is free this morning. Forgiveness is a big thing, eh? When we do deliverance, there was a young guy. We, we had the quick time now recently up in Kauteng. And uh, I did a session. And it wasn't, I didn't preach on this, but I spoke on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And people were coming. We were praying. Guys were getting filled. God, it was crazy time. And, and the next thing I heard, you, know, you could hear guys screaming around the building. And it happened in Jesus' time, by the way. He didn't 
He didn't shuffle them out the door. He just dealt them in front of everybody. The guys, demons coming out of people. And this one young guy, I thought oh, the guys are on him. The elders are there. And eventually one of the elders' wives comes and says, can you come, come and help so push me over? So there's a the guy going crazy on the ground. I said, okay, calm down. Let's just calm this thing down. What's God saying to you, young man? He said, I've got unforgiveness. I said, you need to forgive my father. Okay, now do it. But un- you know, with unforgiveness, goes more than just, okay, I forgive. You need to pray a blessing over that person. Because people say, oh, I forgive. Okay, now pray a blessing over them. No, no, they don't deserve that. We haven't forgiven it's another step. See, kingdom is so different, eh? Kingdom values. And you're set free for right there and then. You got up and testified the next day in church and how God has set him free. Unforgiveness. And it can, it'll burn you. It'll, it'll wreck you. So right now, let's stand. This is, as you are, close your eyes. Let's just, folks, we can focus on God. Focus on, Lord, you love your church. You really do, Lord. And if, I want to love your church the way you love it, which means I've got to love your people. I think I love everything about your church. It's your, it's your precious bride, Lord, not ours. It belongs to you. And, Lord, if there's anything in my life right now that needs releasing back, releasing and bringing to you, Laying at your feet and saying, Lord, here it is. Here's the anger. Here's the bitterness. The Bible says we're dead in Christ. A dead person has no rights. You've got no right to your anger. You've got no right to your bitterness. Maybe genuinely, you may have been really hurt, not denying that. But in Jesus' midst of his incredible pain, hanging on a cross, it's immense pain. Knowing he could sort the situation out in two seconds, just call down angels to deal with all these guys. They're mocking him, laughing at him. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And many of the people who've abused us over the years and done things to people, often they've been abused themselves. They don't know how, and they've hurt guys. They don't know how to be a father, how to be a mother, how to be an authority figure in your life, and they've and they cause a lot of damage. It can happen. Will you forgive them this morning? Will we, will, we, will we be able to have a clean slate with everyone in your life? That even people may even have died and they're no longer in this life. They've gone into eternity. Will, even those people, will you release them? Will you let them go? Just bring, hand them to Jesus. Because he does say vengeance is mine. He will sort things out. Because the body needs to function. If God's speaking to you right now, how will you know? Well, you'll, you'll be wrestling. There'll be something in your heart that God will, a face, a person, a name that God will give you right now. You thought, I might have dealt with it. I'm sure I've dealt with it. Sometimes we've got to fight these things and wrestle them to the ground. Do it again. You're seeing that person's face, that name right now. Let's just pray. Father, we just want to hand over anyone who's harmed us, who hurt us, caused offense in our lives in any form we want to forgive them and release them right now in the name of Jesus we want to surrender the hold that they've had over us and be free this morning because Jesus you came to set the captives free and we want to walk in that freedom so Lord so we can be effective in your hand so we can serve in your body and be part of your body and not feel like an orphan not feel like an outsider 
because we're all called to be part. There's a place in the body for every single person in Christ. Come right now, Lord. Touch your people. Set free in Jesus' name. Let's lift up holy hands. Peter says, I want all men to lift up holy hands before God. And woman, let's lift up holy hands before him. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, God. Worship you, Jesus. Freedom. Be set free in Jesus' name. said you are purifying her you're getting her ready for that day doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you don't know this amazing God, and I came to know him 43 years ago, much like a context like this, I just cried out to God, he revealed himself to me, and I gave my heart to him, it's, it's necessary to do that, to have a moment of surrendering your heart and saying, Lord, here I am, no one's born Christians, nobody, there's no such thing as a Christian country not biblical it's Christian people it's churches so if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your you've never surrendered your life to him I'd love you to stick your hand up as well right now and just wave it at me so I can pray for you that you might come into the kingdom and know this amazing saviour Jesus came to save the lost and we're all born lost we all need a saviour is anyone right now just stick up your hand so I can pray for you 